Hello, and welcome to the Jubilee Church Podcast. Jubilee Church exists to help all people know God, find family, discover purpose, and make a difference. If you would like to learn more or connect with us, please visit our website at jubileestl.org. Hello, hello. Sorry, I got a nice hair comment from the front row over here. This is your first Sunday. I had hair down to my shoulder last week, so this is uh, um, different. This is different. My head's like 10 pounds lighter. It's like, wow, what's going on here? Really good to be with you. If, if I haven't met you, my name is David Harrington. Um, I'm the, actually, you know what? I just saw Chris Sell, and Chris, let me just say I'm sorry, man, because I wore, I wore a man bun a couple weeks ago, and he was so proud of me. And he wore a man bun because I did. He like purposed to tell me that. Now I just realized I cut all my hair off and there you are with long hair, man. I just, I love you, man. I'm sorry. It wasn't personal. I just couldn't take it anymore. Um, hey, I'd love to, I would love to be able to hang out uh, after the service and meet with you if this is your first time. I hope this morning you felt welcomed. Um, like I said, I'm the location pastor here. We have a location in South City that I'm gonna jet off to and preach at that location um, after this, so I won't get the chance. But I'm just, just to say, I'm, I'm really glad you're here and there's lots of people in this church who would love to connect with you. Um, we are uh, in 1 Corinthians today and... Um, you know, Paul here is talking about running, uh, which um, I, I cannot hear Paul talk about running and not go back to my cross-country days in high school. And uh, I have to go all the way back to high school to identify with um, the whole run. I'm a previous runner. I can't emphasize previous enough. I chased my four-year-old daughter across the lawn the other day. I almost died. Like, it's just... <laughs> My days of being a cross-country runner and where I am as a 37-year-old dad are far is a big gap there. Um, but, I, but, I, but it made me think of, as I read this passage, I thought about cross-country. I thought about what it was to, you know, Paul's using this language about running and running the race. And, and uh, you know, I, I honestly can't tell you why I got into cross-country. I like competition. I like teamwork. I, I like the team uh, stuff. And, um, and I just remember, like, it was, it was an option. I went out for it my junior year. Most of these guys had been running together since the freshman uh, year in high school. So I come in late to the game. And I remember the first practice we had, it was a summer conditioning practice. It was an optional summer conditioning practice. And, and, I, and I rolled up. Uh, we met in this parking lot. We were going to run through some woods. And uh, these guys looked like they had been training for the last two years, like I guess you would expect. I looked like I just rolled out of bed, which I had. Like it was a very different uh, experience. And I remember thinking like, man, I'm not going to be able to run with these guys. And uh, we took off. And uh, for the first couple miles, I stayed with them. And it was 100% pride. It was not, it was 100% pride that kept me connected with him for that time. But gradually, my pride disconnected from my body and the distance between me and the group of runners got like further and further away. And I like, I mastered this by the end of the cross country season, like the whole like fake jog, like you're not moving like any faster than someone walking. My coach had to come find me. Like that's, like I'm not, I'm not making this up. Like I remember and I'm, my body had shut down physically because I wasn't in shape and I was, I was doing this. And he, I see him walking from a distance. It took him a while to get to me. And uh, he was like, are you okay? And I was like, yep, doing just fine. And he walked next to me while I jogged back to the parking lot. Like that's, I mean, so when Paul hears, when I hear this, exhortation from Paul. 
about um, to, this, to this Corinthian church here. I, I'm not gonna lie, at first glance, at the first quick read, I just like skim over it. Like, okay, here we are. It's a race, we gotta run. There's, there's one, he says, all runners run, but only one receives the prize, right? So that you, and he's like, run so that you may obtain it. I'm not gonna lie, when I just skim that, I'm slightly discouraged. And it's discouraging for me because as a previous runner, I never, ever, 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 ever lived with the goal to win. That was never my goal because it wasn't a reality for me. I was never gonna beat that kid on my team that could run five minutes a mile for three straight miles. That was never gonna be me. Couldn't happen. My goal when I ran was to not die and not be last. That was my goal. That was my goal every time I ran. It was never to win. So when Paul says run, do a, you know, run, don't you know they compete to take the prize? Like I don't identify with that. And the other thing I don't like is it kind of feels like Paul is telling me just to, to work harder. Like run harder. And I'm gonna be honest with you. I, I don't need another voice in my face telling me to work harder. I don't need that. I don't need that in my life, all right? I've got, I got enough inner thoughts going on. I got enough things happening around the world. You know what I mean? There's enough voices in this life telling me that I'm not the best version of myself, all right? I don't need any help with that, Paul. No, thank you. And if this is a race, well, just disqualify me now. I mean, because here's the reality. I am never, ever, ever, ever going to get up here and lead worship better than Anna Stanley. Like, it's just never gonna happen. I, yeah, see, thank you. I, all right, I will never bring the fire the way that Greg Nelson brings the fire when he preaches. I don't have that bone, whatever it is. Like, it's not in me. I will never, I will never be as good at being old than John Hosses. I will never. I'm not being sarcastic. Look, John's my idol, okay? <clears throat> he's the best old man you can know. Like, he's unapolog unapologetically himself. I would be just like that, but the truth, I'm never gonna be better than that. I can only be like that. So if this is a race, just, just disqual I'm not gonna beat people. Like, and here's the thing that we gotta be aware of. Like, we can do this. Like, everywhere we look, anything that you're doing, here's an encouraging note, anything that you're doing right now, you can find someone in life who's doing it better than you. It's true. Unless you're Michael Jordan. Other than that, But what is, Paul, like, listen, this, what is Paul really saying here? Is that what Paul's really trying to communicate? Is he really positioning us to compete against one another? To strive to be the best version of ourselves? To just try harder? I think not. Paul says at the beginning of this letter to the Corinthians in chapter one that he's, he's writing to them that they would be united in Jesus and to do away with anything that would divide them. So he cloaks this in chapter one. He tells them one of the purposes he is writing this is to bring them together. Individualistic competition doesn't bring people together. It pits them against one another. He wants to see the church united. So Paul can't be sporting some individualistic effort where we're trying to one up each other. You know, I shared the gospel with three people this week. Well, I read my Bible for 20 straight days. Well, I prayed unceasing for a whole month. Like who cares? Like, that's not, what, that's not what he's trying to communicate. He's, he's not trying to pit us against one another. 
That application isn't consistent with the heart and context of this letter that Paul is writing to the Corinth church. Surely Paul's message after all that he has written to is not just, now just do better. All right, come on now. Now just run harder. See how you're running? Run harder. Hopefully it pays off. That can't be his message because it's not consistent with his message of grace and the transforming work of the Holy Spirit that we need in our life. So is that, if that's not what he means, what does he mean? What can we hear? So if we can take those filters off of what we hear when someone says, come on, run hard. Okay, I gotta run harder. Like, if we can take those filters off, what is Paul trying to say? Well, what he's been, what's, what he's been saying in the entirety of chapter nine leading up to this point, Paul's been writing how he willingly lays down his rights for the sake of the gospel. He gives up what he's owned. He gives up his rights. He gives up, he talks about giving up his preference in chapter eight. He lays things down willingly for the sake of the gospel. And he will give up anything. He will give up anything that might cause his message that Jesus is the Christ, the way, the truth, the life, anything that would compromise that message, he wants to lay it down. Paul lived with a reckless abandon that his whole life was to see people ushered in from the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of light. And leading up to verses 24 through 27, Paul's actually already adopted this like athletic kind of competition language. And the reason why he's using this language is because he's speaking the language of the people. He's writing this letter to this church in Corinth. They would, they, and Corinth was a city where they held uh, and highly valued elite athletes and elite games. They would host games in the city of Corinth that athletes would train for months and months and months and months on. So when he, when he starts using this language, he's just speaking to something that they get, right? That they understand, that they connect with because they themselves would be people who would celebrate these games, who would look at these athletes and be like, wow, look at what they did. Look at what they've done. Look at what they have accomplished. And leading up to, to our passage in verses, uh, leading up to our verses 24 through 27, Paul says this, and I would encourage you to go back and listen to Brian's message last week because he fully unpacked this last week in, a, in just a very helpful way. But it's the passage where Paul talks about becoming all things to all men. And he says win, he repeatedly says the word win, that he wants to win more of them when he's talking about winning people towards for Jesus. He says he wants to win more of them, that he wants to win Jews, that he wants to win those under the law, that he wants to win those outside law, that he wants to win those are weak. And then he follows up by saying, do you not know? There's a connecting, do you not know? He's connecting the thought there. Do you not know that you, the special position that you are in as brothers and sisters of Christ Jesus, do you not know? Here are these athletes sacrificing and reaching and positioning themselves for a reward that is here today and gone tomorrow. But we, we, Paul said to the church, we can lean forward and lay down our rights and lay down our preferences and we can leverage our life. We can leverage our life for an imperishable wreath for something that is eternal, something that is the result of the good works that God sets before us in the eternal souls that are won into faith because of our obedience. God wants to work through us. Brothers and sisters, we don't strive and lean in and run hard to secure God's love. We gotta be really clear because this is, this is like a message that I just full of potholes and we gotta be very careful. We do not strive, lean, run hard to secure God's love for us, but we strive and lean in and run hard because we have received God's love for us. We have received God's love. 
We have it. He's given it to us apart from our performance. Thank goodness, because my performance isn't that great. It's apart from our performance. He has extended his love and forgiveness to us. We've received, we have received an eternal gift that cannot be taken away from us, that cannot be stolen, that cannot be overpowered. It's a work that in the scripture that it says that God has started it and he promises to complete it. And it doesn't say he starts it and he promises to complete it if you do A, B, and C. It just says it's his work. He's gonna be faithful to complete it. And what this does is when we live with this reality that we have received something from God is that it releases us. It releases us to run hard. It releases us to lay ourselves down because we understand that there's something greater beyond the grave that is waiting for us. As if you are in Christ, Paul wants us to live with the reality that beyond the grave, there is an imperishable wreath. Beyond the grave, there is no more suffering. Beyond the grave, there is something greater that waits for us that will make this life feel like a blip. And he's wanting to position, he's trying to help the church position themselves and live in such a way in light of eternity and not in what is just happening right now in this moment, in this day. But there is a constant pull in our life to live in that place. Paul's calling us to not live in this place. In this reality that we have received something from God, that it's his work, that we stand on grace alone, meaning that we don't, we, if, you, if we have right standing with God, it is 100% because of Jesus and nothing of we've ever done. So I can't just, I'll say that three more times before the end of the message, okay? It's 100% Jesus. All of this is true, okay? This is true, but none of that should land us on the conclusion, therefore, that what we do in this life doesn't matter. To quote the famous theologian, Maximus Decimus Meridius, what we do in life echoes in eternity. It's a gladiator joke. If you didn't get it, I'm sorry. That went way better over in the 9 a.m., okay, guys? What we do in life matters. And Paul is saying, he says it, he lays it out. He does not, even though he's the apostle of grace, you know, not by works, like he lays this out for us. If we go back to the chapter three in this letter to Corinth, Paul says, uh, he says, he says it this. Uh, I think I'm picking this up in, in verse 13. Each one's work will become manifest for the day will disclose it because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. And if the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. What in the world is he talking about? This is what he's talking about. What he's saying right here is like, he says, look, we're all building a life on a foundation. At the end of this life, we will present our works before God. They will be laid on an altar. And if those works, if our life that we lived was built around seeking material possessions, seeking our comfort, our preference, our way, our agenda. If that's what our life is built upon, those things, those material possessions are all just gonna be burnt up. Now he says you'll be saved, but as if through fire. I have no idea literally what that will feel like, look like in heaven. I just know I don't wanna experience it. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved as if through 
fire. In our passage, Paul is saying life with Christ is a race. Life with Christ is a race in what you do. And let me say it this way. How you run, how you run matters. Notice Paul doesn't say, if you'd like to run, come join us on this race. He's not saying that. He's saying, he's saying life. Your life with Christ is a race. Your entrance to this race happened the moment that you turned your life over and became a follower of Christ. He is emphasizing now that you're in a race, now that you're in a race, how we should run in this passage so that we make the most of every opportunity of every good work to win some for Christ. Verse 25 says, every athlete exercises self-control in all things. What's he? He's talking about how. How we run, he's self-control. Athletes exercise restraint. They participate in activities that others don't. They abstain from things that others do, not because it's right or wrong, not because it's right or wrong, but because they have their eyes fixed on a reward. And, 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 and as Christ fathers, we have to say, if they're willing to do that, how much more, how much more do we have how much more, how much more, how much more valuable, how much more precious, how much more precious is the message of the gospel, the beauty of the gospel, that there's a creator in heaven that loves you and loves your friends and loves your neighbors and gave his life so that they might, so that this life won't be it. It won't end here. So he talks about exercising self-control and what he's talking about leveraging and positioning himself so that people can hear the gospel. And really, this is what Paul's talking about. Leading, I mean, all through this, all through this letter, he's talking about the, you know, he talks about leveraging our singleness for the purpose of the gospel, leveraging our marriages for the purpose of the gospel, abstaining from certain foods for the purpose of the gospel. Like he's just, he's wanting to eliminate and leverage and position himself for the most important thing in his life. Verse 26, he says, I do not box as one beating the air. I'm not directionless. I'm focused. I'm clear on what my life is gonna be about. Here's a question for us. Are you clear what your life is about? The banner over Paul's life was, I am here to win others to Christ. And you say, Paul spent so much time getting the church in order and, and getting the church right, you know, and, and talking about loving one another and building one another. Yes, he did. And there's a mistake that we make, I think, in our day. Like, we like, is it like, it's, it's about the church or is it about reaching the lost? Is it, is it family or is it mission? And like, we create that in our head. It doesn't exist in scripture. It is one in the same thing. Paul gives himself to getting the church right, to teaching us how to love one another so that their message will effectively reach people. That's the reason he wants to do it. The church, God's people is meant to be a city set on a hill. We're meant to carry the good news. We're meant to be filled with his Holy Spirit. And the reason why he wants us to not be divided and quarreling and, and making terrible decisions is so that our message of who Jesus is and what he's done for us doesn't become compromised. It's one and the same. It's not one or the other. It's one and the same. Jesus' parting words to his disciples was now go and make disciples. Now go and proclaim. Now go and baptize. It wasn't meaning that he didn't care about the, 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 the love for one another and how they relate, all that stuff. He cared, but it's all one and the same. We all live with this mission. 
And I want to be really clear about something because we tend to wait for a job description or a title or think, oh, that person's really good about telling people about Jesus. Like, that's their thing. And yes, there are people who have been given a grace to do things better than us, which I've already pointed out. But the, the reality is, is that every single one of us, every single one of us is called to be an evangelist. And I'll tell you why. This is what I mean. The scripture calls us to put, do everything unto the Lord. Everything. How we do our job, how we love our kids, how we treat clients at work, how we do our taxes, every single thing we do, it says, do unto the Lord. And when we live that way, when you live the way that everything you do is unto the Lord, you become a living, breathing, walking testimony of Jesus Christ. When you love, that's why Paul says, he says our love, even the love we have for one another is meant to point to who Jesus is so that people say, why? Hey, you know what? All these guys, they're all, they're all bashing on their wives at the lunch break, but you never do that. Why don't you do that? Man, I see these people over here, you know, they make, they, they, they change some numbers on the account. They do, they make things look a little bit better, but I noticed you never, why don't you do that? And when you show up to work at five in the morning, like you're just happy. Why are you happy at five in the morning? No one should be happy at five in the morning. Because Jesus Christ has changed my life. On our lips has to be the, the reason why we do what we do. The reason why we, is because Jesus Christ has changed my life and we are holding on to something that is so much more beautiful than this world could ever offer us. And that is how you become an evangelist. You do everything unto the Lord. He says in verse 27, again, but I discipline my body and I keep it under control. Here he is again, self-control, a second time. Why is he doing it? Paul I think he's emphasizing this because he's not wanting to give into the comforts of the world or the passions of his flesh. And he wants to be a slave to nothing because he must be not, he wants to be a slave to nothing, sorry, except for Christ. Why? So he can prove himself to God because he's good enough? No, no, Paul isn't obligated. He isn't trying to prove himself to God. Rather, he's leveraging everything that he has for Jesus, because he loves Jesus. And that is a critical, essential component to this equation. This isn't performance for Paul. This isn't willpower. This isn't him trying to do better. This is an outward revelation of an inward reality that is fanned into flame by walking with the Holy Spirit. I'm gonna say that again, because that's a really important that we get this. For Paul, this is an outward revelation. This is how he lives because of an inward reality that he has been saved and forgiven by God and he's gonna meet him in heaven one day and it's fanned into flame by walking with the spirit. This is not Paul just being, better, just being a better human being than us. Do you know this? Do you live with this reality? Paul was just as broken, messed up of a human being as you and I. He did not have some superpower he, that we, like, like he's just up there and we're down here. There's Jesus, there's Paul, and then there's us down here. 
Like we tend to like create these hierarchies in our head. It's not true. There is nothing that Paul did that you cannot do by the Holy Spirit. There is nothing. He was just a man who loved God. He was full of the Holy Spirit. I mean, self-control. He's talked about self-control twice in this passage. Self-control is a fruit of the Spirit. So how do you get to the Holy Spirit? Self-control is a fruit of the Spirit that Paul writes about to the Galatians, another church, another he writes about. He talks about self-control is a fruit of the Spirit. So if you want more self-control in your life, he's not saying try harder, just go get it. No, how do you, how do you have more self-control? You, ab- you, you abide in the Holy Spirit. You hunger for the Holy Spirit. You say, God, I can't do today without you. God, I need to be where you are. God, wherever your presence is, wherever you're working, that's where I wanna be. I recognize I recognize that I'm just a frail human being, but God, by your spirit and by your grace, I can do all things. Like we need, we need to hunger and thirst for God. And to hunger and thirst for God is to hunger and thirst for his Holy Spirit. I think Paul, he writes all kinds of things about the Holy Spirit. Read through the New Testament, do a Google search. It's just over and over and over and over again. He talks about the Spirit. And I think this should produce a couple questions in us. We're in this race. We're in this race, like it or not. If you're in Christ, you're in this race. So here's a question, what do you love? Because this is, this is really what this does. Is it like it, it's what do you love? What do you love? Because that will determine your outward reality. And are you being continually filled with the Holy Spirit? Yeah, I mean, yeah, maybe you can like, yeah, I mean, I'm not talking about like, yeah, in 94, I had this great experience with God and it was awesome. I'm like riding off the fumes of that. Oh, no, 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 there's like, I mean, I'll read some passages, passages in just a minute, but there's this, there's the daily walking with the spirit. What's your inward reality? What's the bedrock of every decision you make? What is it that you love? If you want to know what you love, we, here's the thing is we, is this what, <clears throat> excuse me, this is what's hard for us. This is what's been hard for me. <clears throat> Clearing my throat. Sorry. I grew up in a Christian home, okay? You know what's really hard for me is differentiating between what I know I should say and what's true in my heart. And it's really a big, big barrier. If you've been walking with God for some time and you've read enough of your Bible, guess what? You probably can know the answers and know the things you should. But it takes a level of humility and vulnerability and help by the Holy Spirit to really be like, man, what is going on in here? There are things happening in here that I can't see. And that's just the reality of it. It's just, there's things. And so, but if you start to look at, okay, how do I spend my time? How do I spend my money? These are practical things you do to kind of self-examine your heart. You know, how do we, like, how do you make decisions? What's the, when you look at those things, those things are often telling of the things that you love. So take it or leave it. This race is not a 40-yard dash, it's a marathon. And it's why repeatedly the Bible's authors encourage us to run with endurance, to persevere, to hold on. But the end, the reward, the imperishable wreath, the well-done, good and faithful servant that's waiting for us by the eternal God, ready to welcome us into his family. I mean, church, won't it be worth it for that moment? 
Like, won't that be worth it? Like, I don't know. I can't tell you. This is exactly what heaven's going to be like. But, but I can only imagine. And here's what I know is whatever I can imagine, it's going to be better than that. But I can only imagine entering into heaven, being ushered in by Jesus Christ and the angels rejoicing and having the best family reunion that you could ever imagine with every person that you cross paths with, that you touch, that you influence for the sake of the gospel. I mean, there's going to be people you meet in heaven. They're like, man, you said that to me and it, and it opened my eyes to Jesus. And you're going to be like, I had no idea that had any impact at all. But there's things that God is working in people's life right now. We don't see it. The Holy Spirit is at work in people's life right now. We don't see it. But we are running this race to win people and influence for people for Christ, for what he's done, because there's something better for them. There's something better than what this world has to offer. So here's what I want to encourage you to do with me. A few practical things here. First thing, I've already touched on this, examine your heart. Examine your heart. What do you ask yourself? What is it that I love? What does my life tell about me? Here's a better one. What does my life tell about me? And I'm not, and you got to guard yourself against, against feeling condemnation. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, okay? This is not about like, okay, I'm not, well, I always knew I wasn't good enough. And now that I'm looking at this stuff, like I know I'm not good enough. You're not good enough, all right? Just say it to yourself. You're not good enough. But that's why we love Jesus, right? That, that's why he's so good. Because we can never be good enough. But when we examine our heart and when we, we let him in and we let him open our eyes to things going on, and there's things right now in, in my life that God wants to set me free of. I know it. I just don't see it yet. There are things in your life that God wants to set you free of so that you can better position yourself, so that you can run harder, so that you can experience more and more of his freedom. Here's a, here's a hard one. Um, ask, your, ask people in your life to examine your heart. There's a level of vulnerability you may not be comfortable with. That, I mean, self-diagnosis is good. We need to ask ourselves that question. But ask people in your life who know you well, who love Jesus, and say, hey, what do you see about me? And be willing to hear things, if they're brave enough, that they see things in your life that you don't necessarily see. And my encouragement to you is like, don't let your life, don't let your voice be the loudest voice in your life. Okay, I don't see that. I mean, listen, God sees all kinds of stuff right now that he's just patiently, as a good, just a kind father, he's just waiting to deal with in our life. He doesn't heap it on all at once. He's, he, it's like in progressingly more freedom, more freedom from our past, more freedom from our hurts. He has that for us. Let people into your life and ask them what they see. Second, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Hunger for the Holy Spirit. If you're not abiding with God and being filled with his spirit, if you are in the church, if you are in Christ, if you love Jesus, you have got to make this a priority. Jesus said it was better for him to go so that the Holy Spirit could come. And it's just, again, it's just written all through scripture. Paul writes to the church in Ephesus. He says, in him also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation and believed in him, who is Jesus, when you believed in Jesus, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. He's given us, he sealed his promise, his Holy Spirit to be with us until we fully walk in our inheritance. And uh, the, to the Galatians, he said, he said, but I walk by the spirit. 
and you will, I'm sorry, but I say, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. You wanna know how you get more self-control? You know how you, you change your behavior? You need the help of the Holy Spirit. You don't need to try harder. You need to be transformed. I do not need to go, all right, I'm just gonna go kill myself now. I'm gonna do better. No, no, no. I need the Holy Spirit. I need to wake up every morning and say, Holy Spirit, I can't do today without you. Holy Spirit, I need you. Holy Spirit, I want, you know what? I don't feel qualified to share the gospel today, but I know that you are qualified and you can use me in my fragile, weak state to share the gospel with somebody today. You can do that. We need, we need to hunger for the Holy Spirit. Over and over, we see the church uh, throughout, just read through the book of Acts, read through the New Testament, read about how much it talks about the Holy Spirit coming upon people, empowering people, giving people hope, giving people words to say, to testify about Jesus. I can't, I can't emphasize this enough. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. And three, just, and take action. Take action. What can you do? What can we do today? Well, we can put bless into action. Bless is a really simple thing. And, and I think that we, again, going back to, we are all evangelists. We've all been called. We've all been created. We've all been set apart. And all of us can testify to who Jesus is and what he's done for us. And bless is just a really helpful, this has really helped me. Because guys, I struggle. I'm not the guy that can walk up to someone on the street and just start talking about Jesus. I mean, you'll just see me put my foot in my mouth in the first 10 seconds like that. This is not a strength of mine. I'm not like, this is, I watch other guys do this. And I'm like, man, I wish I could do that. I don't know how you do it. But, but this really helps me. Begin with prayer. All of us, hopefully all of us, know someone who doesn't know Jesus. Just start praying for them. The first thing we can do to start dealing with our heart and dealing with our awareness of this is just start praying for people. And then listen, L stands for listen, get to know them, listen to their story, care about them, right? This is not a checklist we do to please God. He's doing just fine. We do this because we love God and we love his people. And so we listen to people. We take time to hear about their brokenness and their mistakes and their hurts and the highs and the lows. Like we get to know them, genuinely care about these people that we're praying for. Eat with them, open up your table, share dinner, share a meal. It breaks down boundaries, breaks down borders. Serve, do something for them. Let's see, a practical thing. Just to, you know, rake their leaves. Put their, put their uh, newspaper on their front door. Like just little things like, hey, I'm thinking about you today. Like I care about you today and share your story. And this is one where you're like, we'll do one, two, three, four, but this is where it's like the rubber meets the road. You're gonna get an opportunity. If you do those things, you will get an opportunity to tell that person that you live the way you live because you love Jesus. I wanna encourage you not to shy back from that. It may come out in a jumbled mess, but if you just say, because Jesus has changed my life, the Holy Spirit can work wonders with that. The Holy Spirit can take this incoherent sermon and do something good with it. Like he can, that's the thing, that's the thing. It's like we put too much on us and on our performance and we disqualify ourselves from the race before we ever start to run. And that's what we gotta see is like, we're, we, we're, it's not about being qualified or disqualified. It's not, about, it's not about what, but it's about running together. It's about encouraging. So actually it's not about competing against one another. It's about encouraging one another. Come on, run, let's run hard together. Let's do this together. Let's talk about Jesus. Let's pray together. It's about being united and in, in, in under the same mission that we, are, that we should live under, which is the banner over our life should be, I am here to win people for Jesus. 
That should be the banner over our life. I mean, and if it's not, we should make it that today to win people for Jesus. Every single one of us can put something here into practice today, this week. And we can believe God to do what only he can do, which is take our running, our sharing, our all these things and do something beautiful with it, which he loves. He loves to do. He loves to take something that is messy and make it beautiful. He loves it. Let's stand and let's, let's pray. The band's gonna come here. And um, I just wanna encourage you. I'm gonna... Um, like I said, I'm gonna be off to the next service, but I just, I really wanna encourage you to take this moment and this opportunity, particularly, probably above all else, is let's be, we need to be people filled with the Holy Spirit. Like we need the Holy Spirit. We need God. We need God. We don't need to try harder. We need to be transformed. So Jesus, we just pray right now. I ask you, Holy Spirit, to minister to our hearts. We all have our specific battles and our specific struggles, and we're all trying to, we're trying to run hard. God, but we get tired, we've grown weary. We're not good enough. Lord, all the thoughts that rattle around our brain, you know exactly what rattles around in each one of our brains, in each one of our hearts. But God, you've called us. God, you say you've got, you've got more for us. God, you say it's not about your performance. It's not about your performance, it's about my performance. It's about Jesus's performance. He's the only one who did what he could do. Jesus, we, Lord, we just stand here today. We've received your love. We've received your forgiveness. We're set free. And Lord, I pray that if there's any competing affections of our heart, Lord, that we would get rid of those, that we would put those to death and that we would set our eyes on you and that we would, we would align our life for not what's momentary, but what's for eternal. Holy Spirit, I just ask you to come now, right now and speak to people's hearts. Bring freedom where there's bondage. Lord, set, set us free from a performance-based mindset, trying to be good enough. Ask you, Holy Spirit, move in power as we worship you.